Welcome to the Rice's Rice, a podcast where we talk about all things British, East Asian, and not. I'm Akina. I'm Connor. And I'm Kieran. And I hate dancing. <laughs> Excuse me. What? <laughs> this changes everything. <laughs> is, this, is this a revelation? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I actually do love dancing, so it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> that was gonna be like a whole yeah, that was like, thing. Like, oh. let's talk about this. Oh, so that's what you wanted let's to talk about? This. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. So yeah. Um, yeah, I've been dancing for about twelve years that, now. That's actually quite interesting because dancing is a is a new Asian stereotype. Like since the early two thousands, like with Jabberwockies and Cava Modern and all yeah, the ABDC stuff. Because now it's like before, like I'm guessing in nineties it was like all Bruce Lee stuff mm-hmm. or Jackie Chan stuff, and then now it's just like yo, you Asian, you dance. Especially, Would you say it's a it's a proper stereotype? I feel like. At this point, it's definitely for our generation at this point, it's definitely a stereotype. I've never heard anyone our age but talk about that. Thanks yet. to like YouTube and stuff, social mm-hmm. media, like when you mm-hmm. see an Asian dance, it, it's, it's the thing. You look at um, uh, America's Best Dance Crew, you know, with the Jabberwockies, it was predominantly Asian. Jabberwockies and was yeah. all Asian, one black guy. And one black guy. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's just a new thing, really. But is that more of an American thing? I would say it's more of an Asian American thing, yeah. but I personally would want to see a bit more of a change in the UK scene, mm-hmm. just to have like more Asian artists, yeah. um, just to look up to. Because at the moment, I personally look up to a lot of the Asian Americans as opposed to British Asians. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I feel like I feel like that's um, it started in America, but because of the internet and the internet culture now, like it's pretty much a worldwide like English speaking country type. Yeah, also, to be fair, America pretty much dominates all popular culture anyway. True, true, yeah. Our culture is American. And, like, Australians and New Zealanders, Asians there dance a lot as well. Mm -hmm. It's like a thing, isn't it? So, yeah, new stereotype. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I prefer, though. Like, fighting or being able to dance? Today we're seven rice with a side of and Juliet and appropriation in fashion. The famous, the sexy, the uh, screen stealing, stage stealing now, Kieran Lay. Oh my god, I've you never been described that, but VG, yeah, I VGT appreciate that. Finalist, are you a finalist? Semi finalist. Semi finalist. Oh, okay, sorry, that's a bit deep. <laughs> let's, re- let's redo that. You are a BGT semi finalist. Got to dance. Auditioning. To be fair, life. No, I didn't actually. Um, like I've been able to do so much TV stuff, which I'm very lucky yeah. um, to be a part of. And yeah, at the moment I'm doing the the new Anne Juliet uh, musical in Shaftesbury Theatre. So like, it's been a whirlwind of a of a career. To mm-hmm. be fair, this is a crazy new chapter for you. I I would have never guessed you would gone into musical theatre. Exactly it's right. So I know it's just not. I mean, you're quite theatrical as a person, but I wouldn't ever think you like going into it like you know as a what they call are they ensemble as an ensemble, yeah, ensemble yeah so like i had to learn how to sing mm-hmm. um i remember um oh my god there's been so many stories of how bad my singing was but uh i'll, I'll say this one so basically we had to do a studio recording with max martin mm-hmm. now max martin's the guy who's wrote all of the songs for the musical and um he he's worked with ed sheeran uh one direction all of these amazing artists and so like a proper guy like yeah and we was time. all in the studio with him amazing um but i remember that i couldn't breathe as i was singing and obviously i'm using the wrong muscles to uh sing and stuff so yeah. um i end up getting lightheaded 
and I faint. What, what are you supposed to use? Because I don't know anything about singing. So like with um, with dancers, we tend to breathe with our like chest, but then as a singer, you use your stomach. So oh, I was okay. definitely not using the right muscles. I was uh, nervous, obviously, because um, I could hear everybody's voices, and then I was hearing mine, and then getting more self-conscious. And just throughout the whole process, we only like recorded about 20 minutes. Yeah. And then I got lightheaded, fainted hit my head onto like the did music you? stand did you faint i did yeah yeah yeah. and then everybody's like panicking thinking oh my god what's ha- just happened and then all i could say to max martin was like i can't sing high notes <laughs> that's what i could say Wait, so paint the scenario for us uh, so you start singing what is it's a- 20 minutes in mm-hmm. you you can feel yourself getting lightheaded slowly yeah, i'm guessing or did it come all at once just practice no, this wasn't the practice. This was basically the recording the cast, for the our cast album. for the cast album. <laughs> oh so this God. is major, and like obviously they've spent so much money yeah, and yeah. Um, and time into this, and there's me just like trying to catch up with everybody else who can sing. Yeah, and um, it, yeah, it was literally only twenty minutes into the recording, and it, it was it's like a marathon, like yeah. with singing, and I'm so used to it, um, like pushing myself physically uh, as as a dancer, mm-hmm. but then physically as a singer my muscles like my throat muscles and stuff they're they're not used to that yeah so it it was another crazy experience but you know what's funny just like it's just another memory for the whole cast to just make fun of me and stuff so um it's it's a good memory it's a good one the new like the new kid like the new musical theater kid exactly fainting on his first uh recording i'm basically that guy that didn't (laughs) go to musical theater that's now in his first musical and it's it's just all new to me basically mm-hmm. um and at the same time it was super scary because mm-hmm. obviously i've done like a lot of tv work and there's somewhat things that have become my comfort zone um but this was totally out of it so yeah, yeah. so it was it was pushing you more so because i'm guessing it's gonna push you physically either way but more so in your singing mm-hmm. ability and people don't really think about singing as like a physical yeah thing. it is crazy like um for example miriam who's our lead singer mm-hmm. in the um, musical like the notes that she hits on a daily i'm like how is it's just incredible so yeah. it's made me find a new respect for singers yeah. and performers who basically perform every single day um even for myself i've had to really look after my body um and make sure that i'm not overexerting myself in mm-hmm. every show and resting properly so it's, it's definitely about building better habits so then i can go for the long run you sound like you have to be super disciplined for that kind of thing yeah yeah i would I would definitely say so i'm definitely more disciplined now than i was um when i was doing like my freelancing years just because um now that there's structure in my life i'm allowed to uh focus more about what i eat how much i sleep i'm going to the gym regularly now mm-hmm. um and probably this is the best uh version of myself to be fair so would you say you prefer the like sh- um full-time job to freelancing to an extent yeah yeah i, I think i think it's allowed me to become a better version of myself what for if, sure for because this for because i think theater full-time is different it's still like mm. you work what what you like you work different hours like just nighttime but then do yeah. you technically like have to work 
on yourself outside of work do you know what i mean yeah so like we're called in um usually from 6 p.m to warm up and then we do the show from 7 30 um and then we finish at 10 p.m mm-hmm. obviously we have the whole day to ourselves but to prepare yourself to do a show a two hour long show every single day is so mentally and physically demanding because even though your body does get used to it it's it's the mental prep of being like okay you have to perform and be on point mm-hmm. um during that time and obviously there are days where you are like super tired and stuff but you still have to push through um it's brutal for me when it comes to like doing two shows in a day mm-hmm. so like we do two shows on a thursday and a saturday and like it's just horrible sometimes what I do you do like, in, in between yeah. or there's me that's thinking oh yeah it's okay to go gym in between um and then i make myself even more tired but like you kind of do get used to it, but yeah. I think it's just what I want. It's what I'm prepared to push myself to. So yeah, gyms become like the new thing for me um, in my spare time. And then like seeing friends and um, being creative, really trying to find the balance. So do you think because you have this like, okay, I know where my money's coming from thing, it allows you to be more creative personally? I think it's allowed me to... Uh, I would say prioritize my time. Yeah. So like... Because you know when you're going to be busy and when you're not. Yeah. Okay, I know when you um, Like, I remember when I was freelancing, I felt like I always needed to create or be creative. Mm-hmm. But in a sense, that's not... That's not always the best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would then overthink and then nothing would ever happen or it would happen, but the satisfaction wouldn't be there. So Mm -hmm. just knowing that I have set aside time to be creative and just to have fun just allows me to have a better quality of life, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to create, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. Um, It's just more like live, enjoy yourself, create when you can. Because when you create when you can, you're only doing it for... For yourself. For yourself, yeah. It's concentrated, I suppose. I think I'm learning that recently, too. The idea that, like, you can, like, compartmentalize your life so that it's not just you're concentrating on one thing all the time. And it kind of becomes more diluted. Mm -hmm. Like, your creativity and, and all of your effort goes into this one thing. But it's not as good as when you just dedicate an hour every day and be like, "I'm gonna be." Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I do totally this one thing now. Yeah, this is what this is what we were saying before about like the whole um, creative, like doing something mundane in a creative job, whether it's doing something creative in a mundane job. Mm. Like if you do the if you do the creative in a mundane job thing, you have to exert all your creative process into something, you know, like you said, is not in your eyes worth it, you know. And then it's like any muscle when you come home and you want to do something creative yourself you just can't be asked because you're knackered from being creative exactly but um let's rewind to uh you actually get an audition because i think that surprised me oh yeah we kind of just jumped into, yeah, into like, like you, you doing, doing it, it. Yeah. but right that surprised now. me the most i think that was the most surprising was when you were like oh yeah bro like i'm going to audition today i was like oh cool it's like is it for uh tv is it for like a film like you know i'm used to you saying i got an audition today but then you're like, oh, no, it's for like, it's for like a musical. I was like, wait, yeah, what? How did you find yourself in that world? Um, so, yeah, like it was through my agent, uh, Simon Howe, and they're representing me on this job, which is lovely. Um, and they're an agency that kind of pushed their clients to go for any kind of job, whether it be like modeling, um, TV work, acting, um, but they also do theater. So 
um when they hit me up about it they were like okay cool there's this new hip-hop theater um production so oh, okay. my perception of hip-hop theater was like okay you know what i can i can do this like like zoo nation stuff yeah exactly yeah. and like basically as soon as i got into the the motions of it i realized that this wasn't just a hip-hop theater piece mm-hmm. it wasn't even hip-hop theater it was just theater that was trying to give a modern twist on it and to be fair i found it super hard to adjust like i'm i don't know sometimes i find myself hard to speak to certain people mm-hmm. um not because they're not nice or anything it's just uh, i just do you know and what do you mean like people there or just people you in general what kind you know, of people I, okay so i'd say like musical theater people are different from commercial dancing people so i had already adjusted yeah. to i know what you mean in what way myself. i don't know what you mean so like I think commercial dancers, um, they just have a way of holding themselves. And you could say that they're a little bit more spiritual and they okay. always talk about wishing for their next job because they are essentially freelancing. Mm-hmm. So they always have to um, create that luck for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then with musical theatre people, they're just a little bit more dramatic. Um, well, shocker. Um, <laughs> and they just have a different like topics to talk about uh-huh. and um it was just like wow okay this is really weird um because i'm used to talking about really deep about very niche subjects mm-hmm. and then for them they're i would say it's allowed me to become more social as well but when i was trying to talk to them it was like okay cool i need to think of different things to talk about and um that's interesting because i don't peg you as someone who usually finds it difficult to socialize you yeah. say it made you more social but i always saw you as someone who was social anyway that's probably because i overthink too much mm. but thankfully through this job it's allowed me to overthink less mm-hmm. so that's good um but no like my cast people are just such nice people and i don't know it, they've given me like the best laughs they've really had um on this job and um the best like job satisfaction mm-hmm. um but yeah we just like talk about dumb stuff now and it's great. Okay. So you were kind of like a fish out of water type well, situation really, at the um, beginning. Dancer, non-theater person in the musical? or some... I would say so, yeah. Yeah, everyone else is pretty much had yeah, like, like musical so I kind theater of, background. Yeah. I definitely felt like that kid that was like, oh, you're somewhat of the outsider. You're like, or the, you're the new kid. New and, kid, yeah. And essentially, I definitely was because it was my first musical. It was um, my first time singing and like, it it was just hard you know it, it was just i can't describe it in any other way just be, that it was hard but like i was willing to grow mm-hmm. that's the thing I, I don't know how any other dancer would have handled that um like from from my background and anyways um but it, it, it was a big learning curve for me at any point did you feel like you were close to being like it's not my thing that stepping up that statement was probably in my head a lot mm. was this right for me yeah was that like before you did previews though was this it- was this was during the workshop period in february yeah yeah, yeah. of uh, of this year and also during august so we had like um a split rehearsal situation and there were like long periods so five weeks in february and five weeks um in august so like i was really trying to figure out 
is this right for me? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And like, it was in the end, mm -hmm. but I think with freelancing, you're used to a job ending within a week mm -hmm. yeah. and you see the result. But with this, it's like, no, you're not gonna see the result till 16 weeks after. And that was really different for me. Yeah. And um, it's allowed me to appreciate patience even more. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You gotta be real patient, it sounds like. Yeah. So, yeah, 16 weeks, we actually then opened our first show in Manchester. And just seeing the reaction from the audience was like, yeah, this was all worth it. So people do love it, right? Yeah. People are loving the show. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't know, Kieran, because I haven't really seen it yet. Soon. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's cool. It's, 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 I always like seeing people go into something that's not exactly their, like, you know, forte. Mm. I think it's kind of a testament to how, what's the word? Like, when they can apply their skills to other things to make it work. Adaptable. Uh, adaptable. Yeah, how, how flexible. Yeah, how adaptable they are to like, you know, different jobs and whatever. Um, can we talk about who has seen it? Like certain people? Oh, okay. Because um, Akina. What? <laughs> so you don't know, do you? <laughs> no, I don't no, know. I, no, I told her. Oh, okay. Wait, yeah. Can, can we? Can we, can we <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. can. Yeah, so, yeah. so a famous director came to see your Oh, came to see your yeah, play. he did. And me. when I first saw pictures of it, I was like, oh, this looks super like Baz Luhrmann inspired in terms of the set and in terms of the like costumes and just the general palette in general. And then I showed Akina and she was like, oh yeah, this looks like Baz Luhrmann would produce it or something. Mm -hmm. It's very extravagant, like over yeah, the top, yeah. loads of colors. Yeah. He had um, nothing to do with it. No, not but at all. He did come to see it. He did come to see it and he loved it. Like we've been fortunate enough to have Simon Cowell, Amanda Holden, uh, Nicole Scherzinger, oh, cool. Ed Sheeran, like all of these famous people come and watch just because Max Martin has obviously worked with so many amazing famous artists, artists yeah. that he has the connections. But at the same time, um, the fact that he's bringing these people and that they're loving it, you know, they don't have to love it, like, yeah. but they're, they're really enjoying the show. And I think it's, uh, it's a testament to the idea that the, the audience's taste uh -huh. in musical theatre is changing. And what this musical is doing is trying to serve that. And obviously we have the Hamiltons, we have mm -hmm. um, even Harry Potter, like these kind of like uh, new musicals, but this one is is definitely fitting towards um, just welcoming people of different sexualities, yeah. um, even catering to like older and younger people. So it is for me anyways, just that show, you can ask anyone to come and have a great time. Yeah, that's true. It's super interesting what you say, um, that it kind of brings in new audiences and like a modern perspective into theater. Because I did always see theater as kind of a elevated art, like a certain demographic of people goes into theater and they're generally in gen the public in general see it like that traditionally older traditionally richer yeah, yeah. um traditionally whiter <laughs> traditionally whiter and True. since i guess hamilton was the biggest explosion of of bringing something like hip-hop and something that's more youth culture into the mix and putting it on the same level as theater which is more elevated traditionally um yeah i think i think you're right it definitely makes a younger audience be more a part of that world but what 
so you know what I'm going to say. But what I hate, right? Have you ever seen interviews about when people go see Hamilton when they talk about it? Yeah. So there's always people like, like you said, generally older, whiter, and richer. Yeah. Go like, oh yeah, I think I think Hamilton is great. You know, it gets it gets more young people into theatre and like respect it more, and you know, really like um, appreciate art. And I'm always thinking, why does it always have to be young people or people who like hip hop heads appreciate theatre? Why isn't Hamilton actually a piece of art that makes theatre heads appreciate hip hop as a proper art? Because I feel like personally, I feel like people of that generation into theatre and like thespian general stuff are way more snobby about hip hop than hip hop people are about you know, that general mm. um, culture. It's just, and obviously there's like systematic and cultural and historical reasons for this. But I don't know. I just think it's long overdue that hip hop is respected as art in yeah. this way. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I can agree with that. And it's funny with with our musical anyways, um, the, the older and I guess... Um, because basically we had someone from The Guardian come and um, review our show. Okay. And he basically only gave us two stars. Oh, um, no. Out of five? Out of five. Oh. And I think it's basically because he was slightly older and he was expecting a more traditional piece of theatre. And um, as soon as we brought in someone that was younger, um, they gave us, a five, like I think, four stars? Four or five so stars? From The Guardian as well? Yeah, and from The Guardian. Oh, okay, so they, they switched it up. Um so like what we've noticed is people who are more from the general public are enjoying like Juliet than the typical theatre goer. Okay. But at the same time, we are trying to just open it up and make it be like, yo, anybody can come to theatre and enjoy but it. But is, mm. is it that thing is like, oh, you guys are just making mainstream art, but then people complain that no one's going to the theatre to buy tickets and it's like, you know, it's like dying. So what do you, what do you, do you want? mainstream stuff that people like a general populace will more enjoy and then you get more money or do you want to like stay to your like quote unquote theater roots where not everyone will enjoy but i know what you mean about that it's like the question of um whether you want something to be uh audience acclaimed so like audiences love it they rate it or do you want it be to be critically acclaimed yeah like so Venom. like if all these guys whose job it is to write um reviews on these things say it's good does that mean it's good even though audiences aren't really liking it yeah. or if an audience loves it and a critic says it's, it's terrible mean, there's always you know there's you know? always stuff like that and art really is only made for the creators you know, and the people involved is like that's what art's supposed to be. Like viewership and stuff is, is not art. That's capitalism. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you make money off of art. So I suppose it shouldn't be really taken too deeply if you know critics like your audience likes yeah. it. But again, judging such a um, opinion based like system, yeah, there's on no right monetary answer. value or whatever critically critic value is such a odd way to look at things you know and decide what goes ahead and what stays behind Mm -hmm. but for you personally um apart from 
like how much time you've had to put into Anne Juliet, has it changed your life and I guess how you see things any other way? So you got more musical theatre scrap angles is what we're saying? Um, <laughs> slightly. I mean, when I was in Manchester, there was a few um, like musical theatre goers that were at stage door with chocolates and Be like, I want really that Chinese boy. Bring that Chinese boy out. <laughs> Not exactly. You know what? Um, what? Okay, what's nice is the fact that the cast is super diverse okay. and it is giving a good representation on all of that. And I think me and another girl called Grace, we're like the only Asians in the mm-hmm. cast. Um, so like, yeah, I, I think it's definitely putting Asians in the in a good light. And I have got messages from um, people saying that it's amazing to see an Asian dancer on stage. Dude, you get you put messages on your story like every night. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that vain. Um, but like, yeah, going back to the question, yeah, it's definitely changed my life and it's definitely put it in a in a better light. Like, yeah. I, I definitely am happier. Oh, that's um, so nice to hear. That's nice. And <laughs> and it, it it was hard. Like, there were some hard times um during the musical just because it is difficult to create a new musical and it does come with its pressures but in general the satisfaction of it has been amazing um and i'm just like thankful that i can put that time into myself and Mm -hmm. actually make myself into a better person as well Mm -hmm. um just making myself the the best version really um and that's just thanks to the fact that i have a consistent schedule and that I'm part of something that's so amazing and lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Have you watched um, that movie when the grandmother is diagnosed with cancer? The Farewell. The Farewell. The Farewell. Yeah. And there's that one scene um, where they're all around the uh, the dinner table and it talks about the different kind of perspectives of being Asian mm-hmm. or even just Chinese, basically, because you have one family that moved to the West in order for a better life, but then the other chose to stay at yeah. home and that one be with moved the grandma. to Japan. Yeah, and there was one that moved yeah. to Japan as well. And even when I watched that scene, it was incredibly interesting just to see subculturally how there are different types of Chinese, types of Chinese yeah, people. Yeah, of course. There's so I don't that's I think that's what people don't get. Because whenever you're like offended by something racist, you know, when you're younger, and then people are like, oh, but um Wang Wang Zhao is from China and he finds it fine or whatever you know. <laughs> yeah, people say that yeah. you're like, yeah, of course he finds it fine. He grew up in a place where everyone looks like him, you know, and he had no problems with this. Yeah, it's the whole um, Asians from Asia simplifying everything. Yeah, um, Asians from Asia yeah. and Asians from the West aren't the same, and a lot of like non-Asian Westerners don't get that. I think that's a problem. You know, that's like whenever there's. Um, what are they called? What's that word? When people take stuff from culture. Appropriation? Yeah, when there's yeah. like all these appropriation um, issues and stuff. And people like, I don't know, when girls now are wearing like Chang Sam, but like mm-hmm. really sexually and like mm. putting it on. And then people were like, yeah, but. China finds it fine and then like these Chinese people online like yeah I love it I love it when people share my culture and I find it fine I think anyone else who's complaining about this is just be insensitive or whatever I'm like of course you find it fine mate you, like this is not you didn't, you didn't grow up as a kid 
wanting to wear your traditional dress and then people laugh at you, you know? Yeah. It's What do you think about this whole thing? Asians. Was it Little Mix that did it recently? Little Mix. So they oh, did, yeah. I think it's a pretty, pretty little thing. They do mm-hmm. like an ad campaign for them. And in one of the pictures, they're like fully decked out in like, like Asian, like Chinese specific looking clothing. That was quite... It's like really sexual, yeah. sexualized mm. versions of like Chan Sam. I mean, I personally haven't seen that specific ad, but I do get what you mean. Like when it's a case of cultural appropriation, when people are then making fun of it. Like I do remember like when they um, had Chinese dresses as a Halloween costume. Mm. I think yeah, that yeah. is definitely poor. You know, that's not good. Where's the line basically? Because that's always a really interesting conversation. Yeah in my eyes there there is a way that you can take from cultures respectfully and and show appreciation for where that dress sense comes from um but then there is another way where it's just completely offensive yeah, yeah. I, I think is at, at the end of the day it's the very contextual and it's like i think if if fashion takes from something that is from another culture but then I think it can get to a point where we can all get very much used to that culture. And so I think it then becomes okay, I mm. think, because we are more yeah. Yeah. Um, climatized. Yeah. That's what happened with hoops. Yeah. There was an article about hoops being more uh, okay. like Afro-Latina uh, coming from that type of group. And then now hoops are just staple mm-hmm. jewelry for like anyone that's kind uh, of i mean been... i feel i feel like it's still pretty latina it's still, but like people are wearing it and they don't talk about which community it comes from and stuff it yeah, comes yeah. from yeah. yeah um so what if like some brand takes like asian stuff and they make it and they use it because they're like oh yeah we really like how it looks and it looks exotic and stuff mm-hmm. or do you say that's appreciation or appropriation i, I think that's appreciation really like, I'm just thinking of other kind of fashion moments. For example, I think everybody's now wearing like this um, army jacket thing that's now become uh, a fashion item. I understand, like camo. Yeah, and like I can understand that it, it's it comes from um, a different side, but like that's become quite normal. So if you put it into cultural context, I think there's something. If it's something that's quite normal for us like that we see it as okay cool i'm quite used to that then i think it's okay to kind of take it and be like cool let's just make it trendy and stuff and and revamp that Mm. oh wait that's your jacket right camo i get it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i know you mean but uh, i it's it's hard it's so hard to draw the line because with with camo it's it's not it's not tied with a group of people that have been like historically um oppressed or like no one's ever been been made fun of for being a soldier. Yeah, no one's ever like oh, you're you're wearing like you know you're wearing combat boots and camo pants. What what a what a loser! What a loser. You're so weird, man. Just wear something normal. No, um, one, I don't think ever someone's ever gone that. But it's like I'm saying, like for example, well, yeah, for example, loads of girls now are wearing Chang Sam as just like dresses or cocktail dresses, you know, as they were to parties. And I think my problem with that is. Um, I'm not saying never wear anything from another culture because that's dumb because we live in such a connected world I don't think that's you know a wise thing to do to just keep it separate what I'm saying is that appreciation like acknowledging where that pattern comes from or what it's traditionally used for 
or even like contributing to that community i think it's kind of needed because if you're just using it because it looks pretty it's like exoticizing it you know it's like it's like a very face of how you look at that culture and saying oh you guys are only you know there to make us look pretty you know you're only you're only some weird other culture i don't know what you are but i like what that looks like that's the problem with me and that little little chinese girls when they wear that stuff they get made fun of by friends at school um but when the white girl wears it she's like oh you you look so good in it you know mm-hmm. i think that's my issue with it is as long as people don't pay respects to it you know and how do you exactly pay pay your respects i think it's with the bigger brands that is more annoying so like what single people do you can't control that you know they're singular people but brands if you want to put like pretty little thing if you want to put that type of uh fashion and pattern on your stuff maybe get a like asian or chinese designer to do it or someone who knows about someone it who has ties knows to the culture and knows so how to use it properly it feels more like a collaboration yeah, as yeah. opposed to not just like taking yeah exactly like instead of instead of just taking from a group or a culture include them in mm-hmm. the work and i guess that feels less like stealing yeah almost. of course because like even like people are really respect even like kendrick lamar he's been doing so much like weird asiany shit with mm. his stuff lately um which you know i it's fine but you I mean like with kung fu kenny. like kung fu kenny and like even his shows he has a lot of like kung fu is begins with like a old 60s style like chinese martial arts intro type thing but i don't it like does he hire asian background producers does he like mm. collaborate with them does he um play respect to community does he actually ever like called out injustices that community has faced like obviously I'm not gonna start playing like injustice you know bingo but it's like the same if i was to make a film and it does really well and it's includes a lot of hip-hop in the soundtrack then i'll like speak up about black issues because hip-hop is you know obviously this is national but hip-hop is a black american specifically culture mm. you know it's just kind of knowing where that thing is from it's not just a pretty thing or thing that mm. looks or sounds good it comes and has a meaning to that culture yeah it makes sense but that's a huge tangent <laughs> that we just did um yeah what do you think about this whole thing it just went pretty deep and that's what yeah. it did <laughs> yeah do you, like do you, do you know what i mean i do yeah i think at the end of the day it's whether or not you've taken the time to really appreciate and do, but do you research. feel like if it's because it's a free like it's a free market nowadays do you feel like if it looks cool and you want to use it for your thing you should just be able to use it without being judged i think maybe with what i said earlier is like when i say that all oh, the information is kind of like generalized meaning like people have understood and kind of get a general feel of um of that particular culture that okay cool it's quite common knowledge in that then it's okay to kind of yeah we can use this because we in general the people have a an understanding of the culture and that they're able to you know contextualize it and make Mm -hmm. it work for their for their product or whatever um but what you brought up about the idea of actual active collaboration i think is is probably a brilliant way of incorporating a different culture um into 
a business context without it being cultural appropriation. Because it's, yeah, when it comes to like, in my opinion, fast fashion, then that's when things tend to go wrong. Yeah. You know, it can then like offend people. But like, if you've taken the time to really understand Japanese fashion and then integrate that with um, Western fashion, then you're gonna create a bridge as opposed to yeah. um, a barrier. Yeah, you're pretty. You seem like a pretty stylish guy. I mean, you pay attention to how you dress, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Is that embarrassing for you? You see no. that? I see. I see your posts on Instagram, and obviously, like you take time to think about how you look, and I appreciate that. So it seems like fashion would be a, a subject that you think about often. Yeah, I think... Where did uh, it come from? It was kind of random. Have you always, like, had an interest in, like, style and fashion? Me, personally, I don't think I have the best style, but I definitely pay attention to it just because... What's what the is the best style, though? It's it's always kind of, like, personal preference I mean, best style is, like, I don't know. I, I've got this one friend, he's super into his vintage stuff and he understands the history and that's where i'm like okay i'm not really on them kind of levels where i know fashion like that but i do like to know what fits to my body type yeah hmm. um and what feels comfortable um and i've had the worst fashion when i was about 12 years old getting into who, dancing i mean that was before instagram because you look at all of these instagram yeah. people and they have good fashion like 12 year olds yeah 12 year olds know how to dress themselves now compared to when we were 12 Dude, years bro, old i just wore i just wore a hoodie and some jeans yeah but that's not the case now bro like they've got jordans or they've got something else up their sleeve and they, they look fresh 12 year olds should not be buying jordans well i'm assuming they're not buying their choice yeah but it, it's different but just because of how instagram's made a, a certain level of fashion normal because they're mm -hmm. exposed to mm -hmm. it so obviously i hate that i think you should have an awkward stage in your life, really especially like for girls, like teenage girls. Yeah. Actually, no, all teenagers need to have that awkward stage where they're still trying to figure out what their style is instead of like seeing it on Instagram and deciding, yeah, obviously that's what looks good to everyone. That's how I'm going to look. There are so many like 14 year olds that know how to do their makeup really well. They look like 25-year-olds. I think 14-year-olds should be wearing that much makeup, though, because then, like, if you wear it young for a long time, your skin doesn't breathe properly, and... Yeah. Then, like... There is there's, that. Yeah. There's that, but I enjoy the fact that I went through an awkward stage. Like, I, I looked like a state at 12-year-olds, but now you look back on it, like, oh, look, yeah. look, I figured out my style and what works I for me. I think it's getting less and less, though, that... Mm -hmm. They, I don't really know many 14 year olds now that have to go through that awkward stage. No, I don't know any now. Uh, do, who, do I know any 14 year olds? I don't know any 14 year olds. Like, I don't have any cousins. I mean, not just random. I don't know just random 14 year olds. <laughs> yeah, random 14 year olds. <laughs> but in uh, general, I think people know how to dress more just because of the yeah, exposure on social media. Do they know how to dress more or do they know how to dress the same? They know what's socially acceptable. Yeah. yeah. So does that mean there's not this could be less like you know weird kids, but their fashion is actually pretty cool when you like when they grow up and like you know find it. Is it gonna be less of that and people just gonna be looking like the same? I mean, obviously they're gonna get to a stage where they get a bit bored of it and then they. 
probably will. Hopefully. I don't know, man. I see 30 year old fuckboys. They still look like the same that they did when but they were like 10 years ago. But some kids are super <laughs> experimental as well still. Like Billie Eilish, I guess, is the queen of that. She's True, what? yeah. I keep forgetting she's, he's a what child. What is she? She's like 17, she's like 17 16? She's like, she's, she's like 18 now, like finally an adult. Is she? she? No, I think she's still like... She's young. She's like 17 maybe still. Mm. But like, she is too cool for her age. Yeah, but like, she should not be that cool. No, but she's a weirdo though. That's I, I think she's an exception to the rule type thing. As, as a general populace, I think kids are getting more <laughs> and more similar in like the way they dress. Yeah, like... I think, she, I think it's a double-edged sword. Like, yes, there is a slight similarity for the ones who are more normal but for the exceptional it's allowed them to grow you mean, faster like, the gap has gotten like mm. bigger yeah i mean like th- there's a there's a b girl called logistics she's like 15 years old and i've heard her speak and like the way she's speaking is, is something that an adult would say and really? what i'm saying what i'm saying is like i think for some kids having that social media exposure has helped them grow in a positive way like a lot faster but i understand what you mean like okay yeah some just want to fit in and so yeah they're just going to be like that so i just think it's more of a double-edged sword do you know what i'm saying i think most things are in life yeah a double-edged sword but like i think it's then the, it's kind of like a which side is better like you know. Uh, you know what even my relationship with social media has changed a lot throughout this job really you like post less you mean? i definitely post less what you like because you're busy I, guess. I am busy yeah. um i think as a as a freelancer you feel inclined to post regularly just to make it seem like mm. make it have to. seem like you're busy yeah um and that you're working and that you are deemed as successful you know that you are a booked dancer um but as i'm going through this process i'm realizing that um i've realized maybe my addiction to social media and like how how to just be happy without using the phone as much mm. are you going um, through like a uh like a detox like stage of your life where it's like you know what i don't need this stuff yeah i mean i mean like i've tried it before but it never felt the same but now i'm actually slowly detaching is it because of natural though because you're busy it is you're not somewhat, like forcing it no i'm not forcing it like it is is natural yeah i think before i was probably forcing yeah. it just to be like oh i can try and do this um because in a way everybody else is trying it but now it's more of a natural detox of okay i'm posting less um but now it's allowing me to figure out what kind of content i want to post more of um despite the algorithms because i know that with instagram they want you to constantly post and mm-hmm. so you would then get a certain kind of engagement and if you stop doing that you'll get less and less mm-hmm. but it's just being like you know what i'm just living my life and it's not all about the likes and comments and obviously if you do post something that's that does go well it's just like okay cool it means you just won the game that you you you've were you were you that kind of person before like would watch your like yeah to an extent and i think it's because of the people i was surrounded by like a year ago Mm. because we was very driven to reach certain statistics because it would incline that okay cool that means you can ask companies to um hire you out and Mm. you know you get paid to post things um but i think that phase of my life is definitely over and that cool i'm making money elsewhere and i don't need to rely so much on social media um thinking that that was the way i wanted my career to go to um so yeah i just post whenever i like um 
and I post when I feel is right for me. Yeah. As opposed to keeping up with the algorithm. Would you ever go back now that you've experienced a different type of path, I guess? I think media is still very important. Um, and I think whatever platform you put it on is is just as important to know the rules of it. Um, so, yeah, I will go back, but it wouldn't be the case of me getting sucked back into it to satisfy um, the algorithm. Mm -hmm. It's more about let me see if I can create some good art as opposed to yeah. art that would just satisfy the algorithm, yeah. which is pr pretty much like one minute videos. Yeah. Um, Sounds so mature now. Oh wow! <laughs> you matured up. Thank you. In life. That means he thought you were immature before. He knew I thought. You still hung good. around with me, like because <laughs> I have no other friends. That's fine. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, well, I really want to work on this particular passion project, anyways. Um, on a song that I listened to three years ago, and it's pretty deep. Um, what is it? Are you? It's, you it's called. Say because... Well, no, it's, it's um, it's called "Changes Consume Me," mm -hmm. um, and it's quite graphic in the sense of what he says okay um but i would want to make sure that i you know portray it in the best light and the in the most honest light mm -hmm. and so i just feel like you know what i can spend a whole year working on this video and that would be me satisfied um and in the meantime i'll just be doing my job and i'll probably use some of the money to invest into the project but then that actually generally becomes a passion project as opposed to me creating something that the public will like yeah um to get a certain kind of attention, which is what I previously would crave for yeah. because it is an addiction. But it's so easy to fall into that. Yeah, definitely. I think because you get tricked into thinking that this is obviously good work because look at the numbers. So many people like it. But then I guess you have to ask yourself, like, what's actually important? Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, thankfully, I've, I've been able to achieve um, some personal goals, which is to work with certain artists um movement artist anyways and like now that i've done it it's like okay cool what is now more fulfilling like what mm. what can i do now so you're definitely like you're less concentrated about stats and stuff as fulfilling and more like internal like happiness yeah and i think that's what everybody's trying I mean, every, to achieve. everybody's kind of like hit i mean i say everybody because like we're surrounded by people our age but like <laughs> people when you get to like i think after the whole rush of uni and about the house, I can do whatever I want. Everyone's like, "But what makes me happy?" Yeah, you know, which I guess is a good. It's just a good kind of yeah. It's a good introspective like a second question. puberty, like a like a mature like a like a more enjoyable puberty. Yeah, like a mental <laughs> puberty. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I can agree with yeah. that. Um, well, speaking about puberties, we should grow up and finish here what what, <laughs> what are you trying still to the do i'll try to segue but i can't segue um i feel like this whole interview has been like super tangents yeah, yeah that's how we bounced works. around quite a lot through loads of different subjects yeah, but that's like you know that's a that's the beauty of a podcast man you're just gonna have to come back more to talk about your like dating life or whatever you want, you want to come to back talk to about. talk about my dating life <laughs> bro it's just funny <laughs> No, maybe not all of them there are stories some, some of them you can't tell are pretty funny yeah um but yeah that's what, um what 
why would you leave it at that? Why would you start I'm saying people, that like your dating life is a really good topic and then not go into the dating life? Sorry, now I want you to back. talk about your dating no, life. No, people will come back next time Kieran's on. This guy's a busy guy. Yeah, well, he's got Sunday's free. We can go out to a cafe record. We can do like some atmospheric type podcast or something. I don't know. We'll do it in New Year. 2020, guys. Roaring 20s. Roaring Kieran's sex okay, life. maybe then it's... <laughs> 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 um it's fine your whole days are over it's okay um i heard about this so i heard you all <laughs> so kieran where can uh you want to plug anything um yeah come and watch um the and juliet musical at the shaftesbury theater um it's on um eight times a week um Tell me, but when are you eight performing? times a week god yeah. that when sounds you, like a lot of work sunday You're, sunday is my only day off so <laughs> make sure that you come on the other days <laughs> Um, and yeah, just follow me on my social media, um, Instagram, Kieran Lay Official. Have you wait? Have you gotten anything at Sage Door yet? You know how like some people give. Oh, um, not in London. Oh, but I have received like chocolate gifts oh, and a cute. nice message. Um, in Manchester. In Manchester. Oh, that's yeah. cute. Okay. So yeah, you know, you know now when uh, just don't go on a Sunday if you want to give if you want to see Kieran on stage or like at Sage Door. <laughs> Um, and yeah. we know now he does not reply to all yeah make messages. sure when you see him like read out like a really genuine poem or something then he'll notice <laughs> you that's what we know now that's true I can't lie <laughs> that, that would work true. on you yeah that is true yeah. a poem that's, a poem would work on you yeah really if it's from a sweet girl as well <laughs> I'll take that's, that this is very insightful into your character <laughs> I must say yeah um, Akina where can they find us uh, I mean this is hard because Gem always does this. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we should probably note that Gem is like unavailable today. That's why she, we, she's not just being silent for the whole podcast. You know, <laughs> I don't think we actually mentioned that. Up you top. did not mention that at all. Yeah. People are going to be confused. Yeah, Gem, Gem couldn't be here today, but we replaced her with Kieran. Yeah, bless. You're the Gem. Um. So yeah, Instagram at rice is rice. I'm not even sure that's right. No. Underscore pod. No, no, no. At Rice is Rice pod. Uh, uh, Instagram. Uh, <laughs> you can find us at Instagram um, at Rice is Rice pod. Yeah. Um, on Twitter at Rice is Rice underscore pod. And on YouTube at Rice is Rice. Yeah, we always give this out every week. We haven't posted anything. We'll definitely post stuff starting 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and keep an eye out for the other episodes hopefully we'll have kieran back yeah. on again I mean, like, to talk about his amazing dating life yeah. we, we do a there's a special specials episode soon mm-hmm. that we're probably gonna, i mean for you guys it's next week for us it's in a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah that's uh that's the episode guys thank you for and listening don't forget to get some rest in your life